This podcast is brought to you by Freedom Physical Therapy Services, an independent provider of comprehensive physical and occupational therapy services. No matter how challenging your issues, if other treatments have failed, we are determined to help you heal, starting with the very first visit. Four convenient locations in the Milwaukee area. More information at freedompt.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Freedom Talks podcast. Today we're on uh, with Scott Coonan. He's the manager here at the Fox Point Clinic, and we're just going to get to know him and find out about his background. We're going to talk a little bit of Bucks action since they're in the Eastern Conference Finals, and then he just recently did some blood flow restriction training, uh, and we're going to ha- he's going to come and talk about uh, what that is and how it can benefit patients and um, what impact it's going to have on treating treating patients. So Scott, how are you doing? Uh, very good, Brady. Thank you for having me. All right. We're just going to start by uh, going over how you got into PT and um, what led you to become a PT. Sure. Uh, so we got to get in the Wayback Machine, uh, 1988, probably the spring of. Um, I was participating in track and field and um, I tore my hamstring. Uh, I was a sprinter. And so uh, I rehabbed it on my own for a bit. And then um, uh, conference finals, another cold, rainy day, and I re-injured it. And so um, went to see a physical therapist uh, so I could get ready for football my senior year. And uh, I thought that would be a neat job. And so that's what I ended up doing. That seems to be a pretty common thread. We've got a lot of therapists that have an injury of some sort and very athletic past, and they tend to gravitate towards yeah, PT. Yeah, absolutely. I bet you at least a third of my class had that same story. So, okay. Yep. All right. And um, you came, became the manager here at Fox Point about two years ago? Um, yeah, maybe a year and a half ago okay. or so. Yeah. Yep. How, how has that been different than just being a treating therapist? Um, yeah, good question. So um, just, it, I mean, I, I enjoyed, for me, it was probably good for my body as much as anything, as I've been doing this for a bit. So, uh, but just a different, I was just, you know, just a different challenge. Um, I like the numbers, you know, part of it and uh, in, in looking into that. So um, I still get to do my patient care, though. Um, everybody here is very easy to work with. So managing them is, uh, has been good and fun. And so, uh, yeah, I've liked it. Yeah, we have a pretty fun atmosphere here I, in the clinic. I agree. Completely. So, um, so are you, towards the beginning of your career, has what you've liked to treat or have treated changed to yeah. now? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yes, uh, I guess is the answer to your question. I mean, when I, I think when you're younger and you're coming out, especially if you kind of had that athletic background, um, you know, uh, I, I saw probably more athletes. Um, and I was probably more into that. And then just over time, um, I've started to probably have more of a, of a spine caseload, which I enjoy as well. And as we have younger therapists here, kind of like I was back, you know, they really enjoy uh, seeing more of an athletic population, which I still like to see. It's just not as, as much of a focus as it was for me probably when I, 20 years ago. So and that's, that's, I think that's a normal progression. Sure. So that's pretty common in all PTs, would you say, at least in the orthopedic setting, or it just depends on where you work? Uh, yeah, I think it just depends on 
who, what you enjoy, kind of just the caseload that comes through your door sure. uh, is probably one of the bigger factors of that. Um, and then just, I think, you know, as your skills grow, uh, you just you just develop different interests, you know? All right. Um, so you are, in our clinic, are like the, the movie guy. You're always like throwing out quotes and you're like, what movie is it? Correct. And uh, I'm really bad with movies in terms of at least memorizing the lines. But you, you and Mike Verplanke, our other uh, PT who is managing yes. Grafton. Yeah. We might have to take your guy card away from you for not knowing some of these <laughs> quotes uh, from more of the classic movies. But um, yeah, I don't, I've always just done that. Um, I always joke, don't ask me what nerve innervates what. I have no idea. But if you want a quote from some movie from uh, 1988, uh, for example, I probably have it. So to, to be fair, my man card, yes. like you always ask me movies and you're like, oh, it's a classic. And I'm like, <laughs> Well, 1988. I wasn't even born yet. I, uh, right. Some are timeless, though, Brady. Some are. I, I, some are timeless. I gotcha. Yeah. I gotcha. Fair enough. But I. But uh, yes, I will concede that point. I am old. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't mean it to go that way. But uh, so, you obviously ran track and field in high school. Yep. Um, and that's kind of how you got into PT. Or is that? Still, you still follow track and field, or have you gravitated towards something else? Do you play in any men's leagues? Um, I would love to play in a men's golf league, um, but I haven't since I moved to Milwaukee. Um, so I enjoy golf now. Uh, my favorite sport in high school and still to this day is football. Um, so I, I, I played in high school. I played a year in college, um, and I'm just a huge Packer and, and Badger fan. Um, I like the Brewers as well. Um, and high school, yeah, I played football, ran track, and then I lifted weights. Um, yeah. The, you're a season ticket holder to Badger football, right? I am not. No, I am not. I'm a season ticket holder for the Packers. Oh, that's I'm, what it is. I'm very lucky and, and blessed that I have season Packer tickets. So, yep. yeah, I share my brother and I, my oldest brother and I each have two tickets and we get to sit together. So, Although after this draft, he's uh, vowing that he isn't going to any more games. So if people are <laughs> interested in buying some tickets, I may have some. <laughs> everybody's down on the Packers. We've had like two non-playoff seasons yeah. now, and everybody's just. Yeah, I think they're going to be good this year. I think they're going to surprise some people. So um, they got a third-place schedule. I think um, the free agents they brought in are, are solid. And um Maybe this new coach will light a fire under Rodgers uh, and make the game exciting for him again. So hopefully, um, hopefully it's a, a winning season. So we're going to take a little bit of a break here, and uh, on the next segment, we're going to talk a little bit about the Bucks and their season and uh, their injury history. This podcast is brought to you by Freedom Physical Therapy Services, providing one-on-one -on -one comprehensive physical and occupational therapy services, including women's health, chronic pain treatment, TMJ, and more, with four locations in Fox Point, Grafton, Brookfield, and McGuanago, Wisconsin. More information at freedompt.com. All right, so we want to get into uh, a little bit of Milwaukee Bucks because they're sure. in the Eastern Conference Finals. Yes. We actually we've got Bucks Apparel Day going today tonight. Yeah, seven thirty. Yep, and uh, so being a, a PT clinic and a PT podcast, we're gonna uh, do a little bit of their injury 
uh, history and uh, we have their injury report and we're just going to talk about a few of those and get your thoughts on those. Sure. So Pau Gasol is out for the season with a uh, broken foot. They were kind of hoping he was going to be a veteran guy, maybe a guy that can come off the bench, give you some uh, kind of play that stretch four position. Yeah. Um, so it's it's a big loss, but it was is fra- a fracture, right? I th- I believe it was a stress fracture, and so then I just saw I didn't know they were doing surgery, and then I saw it on I think JS Online showed a picture of him in his apartment with his you know. Um, like in some kind of a mobilizer. So um, I, I don't know if they did the surgery to like fixate it or um, or what exactly. Yeah, the teams don't generally put out too much in-detail information. Yeah. Obviously, it's personal for them, but it's yeah. also uh, just I think the NBA is just very private about that in general. Right. Um, and I think the idea was that they, he made a decision, at least from what I was reading, to do the surgery so that he could potentially be ready for the beginning of next season was the understanding. Yeah, that uh, would make that sense. That if he waited out and tried to play through it, it could A, get worse, and B, then he's not ready for next season. And obviously yep. he's got to make money and wants to continue his career. So. Right, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so um, I'm sure they did some kind of fixation in there on the stress fracture, um, and then that's just going to take time for that to heal. Um, so, yeah, he would be – ready for next season. How soon does a PT normally see a patient like that? Um, you know, just off the street. I'm sorry. Like, so just a, a general person has that kind of same injury. A stress fracture. Yeah, and surgery and things like that. They're immobilized for a while, so you can't really do a lot with it. I guess what are when are when is the timetable for you seeing someone that's going to actually rehab that, or do you not see them at all sometimes? No, we would see them just because if they are immobilized, they're going to need to... Um, regain their motion, regain their strength. Um, I'm sure he's not weight bearing. Um, so he would have to get all of those things back. Um, it would just depend. I mean, you know, let's say six weeks probably okay. or something like that, which when we get to the blood flow, uh, restriction training yeah. would be something that he might be able to do, um, sooner to okay. help, um, to help gain his strength back. All right. Yeah. We'll, we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, the next guy, um, was D, is DJ Wilson? He's uh, had a sprained left ankle, and he was out against the Celtics against uh, against the Celtics in Game Five. Um, he was, I think, pretty integral throughout the season. He was playing decent bench minutes, um, provided a spark off the bench. Yeah, I correct. Um, I did not see his injury, so I don't know how severe. I'm, if, you know, most likely an inversion sprain. Um, um, but I did not see, so I did not see his injury or how se- severe it is. But I think he was—he lost some playing time right when they uh, brought in the three-point guy, Meritich. Uh, yes, exactly. So I think his playing time went down a little bit. Yep. But uh, any of the games I watched, he obviously was—you know—had a great attitude. You know, still a team team guy. So um, hopefully, he gets back relatively soon. Yeah, ankle sprains are tough, and they're in the they're in the playoffs, so he might play through a little bit of pain or come back a little bit earlier. Yep. Um, so I think they were expecting him game one or game two against the Raptors from what I was yeah. at least reading on. Yeah, I mean, I think having that week off from, right, they, they, they wrapped it up last Wednesday, so they had a week off. So he would have gotten a lot of treatment in, been able to, you know, rest it a little bit probably, and that all that would speed up the healing for him. It's, it's hard to know because of the, you know, it's hard to compare someone off the street who can only, only has time for maybe one or two sessions a week of, therapy compared to a guy that 
goes into the facility every day. He's being seen by the best doctors in Milwaukee, and right. they've got step one through step right. twenty right. Uh, out, you know, set out for him. Right. I mean, basically, that's all he has to do all day is rehab his ankle and get his ankle better and do everything to get his ankle better. So, um, yeah, they, they there's. Um, and they do have other, you know, sometimes things get potentially get an, uh, you know, an injection in it uh, to kind of numb it so they can play through it if it's not going to cause any kind of permanent injury, of course. But, um, yeah, so that's why some of those guys make it back pretty quickly uh, as compared to the normal population. The normal knee sprains normally like six weeks yeah. for, say, like a high school athlete. Yeah, it just depends how severe it is. Yep, yep exactly. All right. Um, I guess the most important one, at least on the Buck side, that um, we're really worried about is Malcolm Brogdon because he, before the playoffs, was in the starting lineup, um, and he's been rehabbing a plantar fascia tear. Uh, and they, what I read is he's they're planning to bring him off the bench for game one, and that they're slowly ramping up his play. Um, I think they were expecting him back almost for game three of the Celtics series, but I don't think it exactly went as planned. Yeah, so I saw him play, um, what, did he play? He played in game five. Did game, he play in game I think, four, too? I think it was just game five. Yeah, so I played about, what, 15 minutes or so? Mm-hmm. So, I, again, I think for him, just like DJ uh, Wilson, just this week off will be nothing but helpful and beneficial for him. And, um, you know, I would expect him to just keep, so if he played 15 minutes in the game five, you know, maybe 20, 25, you would think. Um, he didn't have any setbacks, obviously, so they'll just keep ramping up his time. The the soft tissue injuries are tough sometimes, even for pro athletes, because you just, just yeah, absolutely. You don't know. It's just time. It's just healing. Yep. So you just try to promote this healing environment and do everything you can do to make it feel, to help it heal, uh, avoid the things that irritate it so that it can heal. And then, um, and it's just, it's just mother nature. It's just time. What do you think are some of the modalities that they're using? Are they using dry needling or are they using like um, cryotherapy maybe? I would think more cryotherapy. I don't know if a plantar fascia tear, well, you would really dry needle. Sure. Um, I mean, unless he had some stuff in his gastroxoleus kind of or in his calf. Um, um, but I don't think you'd do much dry needling with that injury. Um, but, yeah, cryotherapy, I mean, maybe some e-stim. Um, but, I, but, yeah, it's just time. Okay. Fair enough. Um, I'm not too versed in the the Raptors, but the the guy that was on Toronto's uh, injury report was OG Ananobi. Um, from what I understand, he's a pretty rangy type player, pretty good defensively, can shoot the three. Um, the only reason I bring him up is because I think Toronto's probably looking for guys just to throw at Giannis. And I think he was one of those kind of wing types that was long and rangy and quick on his feet. Um, and no one's going to be able to stop Giannis, but I imagine they want every tool in their toolbox to help at least throw at him and slow him down. I would think so. I, I don't know even who that guy is. Full <laughs> disclosure. Fair um, enough. Um, yeah. So I, he's got an a, he's got an abdomen injury. Yeah. Um, he had an appendectomy. Uh, that they do. I mean, I'm sure they did that lap, laparoscopically. So usually the um, the recovery time probably isn't that that bad. It's I mean, I think a, he's been out for a while. Oh, has he? Yeah. So I don't know if there's any complications. Yeah. I mean, I shouldn't speculate. I don't fair know. Fair enough. I'm not sure. Well, I got so this this season, uh, I coach hockey, and our goalie 
I, the only goalie on our roster had an appendectomy, and he was only out, I think, two weeks, and he was back in, and we had to ramp him up slowly, but yeah. he, he seemed seemed fine. Uh, yeah, I don't, I mean, again, to me, usually those are done now laparoscopically, and so, I mean, they're just little incisions, and um, yeah, I would I would think the recovery would be fairly quick, quickly, or quick. I suppose the only other thing is is his appendix actually like broke open, and oh, may, that maybe be, that's yeah. why I don't know. But that's again yeah, speculative. Then you, then you start, yeah, I have no idea. Then you get like into sepsis and all that other stuff. So sure. no, no idea, not sure. Well, go. You can't stop Giannis. You can only <laughs> hope to contain him. That's right. So better for us. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, uh, that was great insight into some of the Bucks injuries, and uh, hopefully they'll take it home and pull this series out, it'd be nice to be back in the finals. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think I was born, or maybe I was just born the last time the Bucks were in the finals. When was the, the last Bucks finals? They went 71? 70-something, I don't remember right, which yeah. year. But, well, well, good luck to the Bucks. Yeah, and, go Bucks. Um, Fear the deer. <laughs> we're going to take another break, and coming up we'll talk about uh, blood flow restriction training. This podcast is brought to you by Freedom Physical Therapy Services, providing exceptional one-to-one hands-on care to the greater Milwaukee area for over 25 years. Our physical and occupational therapists prepare custom plans for your condition to relieve pain and improve performance. Allow us to help you enjoy more freedom at freedompt.com. Welcome back to the Freedom Talks podcast. We're going to talk here about blood flow restriction training. So Scott has specialized training in uh, BFR. We're going to refer to blood flow restriction training as BFR training. Um, so first of all, Scott, what what is BFR? Yeah, so uh, Aaron and I had the opportunity to go down to Chicago for a class. Um, I think it was the last weekend of March, and it's on this blood flow restriction training um they've been doing it for a while but it, it's um it's kind of um uh becoming more well or better known and more people are, more people are utilizing it there's a lot of great research on it so um basically what it is is you um use a, a blood pressure cuff a bigger blood pressure cuff or a specialized blood pressure cuff to um um, lessen the amount of blood flow going to into somebody's uh, muscles while they're doing some exercises. So um, the way it works is uh, we find out what their, it's called their occlusion pressure. So that's how much pressure it is to um, stop the arterial blood flow going down into their extremity. So we'll just, um, I'll talk about as though we're doing it in somebody's uh, leg. So uh, we have a Doppler uh, so we can hear their uh, pulse. Um, and then you put this cuff around their, their upper thigh and um, you just inflate it um, until you hear that through the Doppler that the, the blood has stopped flowing into their, into their extremity. So um, that's called their occlusion pressure. And then once we have that number, and you only have to do that once, uh, it gets pretty tight, but it's tolerable. Um, once you get what their occlusion pressure is, then you have, uh, you, you'll take a percentage of that. So um, uh, either for the lower extremity would be like 60 to 80 percent of that and then have them do exercises with this cuff on at that certain percentage and and how it works then is it 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 kind of fools your body into thinking it's doing this high intensity training 
even though you're not having to do that. So it can be just a simple exercise of just sitting at the edge of the table and extending your, um, your leg out. Um, I've done that with patients now, and they are shocked at how fatigued they are after doing that exercise. And um, the real, I guess the real, the benefit of it is you don't have to have this high volume training on it to get the same um, effect. Um, okay, so yeah, that's kind of where we were going next. So it, like, I guess, what is the reason why we want to do this? Like it sounds like it's not gonna be painful, but it doesn't sound comfortable, right? Correct. I mean, once once you, I mean, once the cuff is on um, and you're just doing these exercises, it just feels like you're working a lot harder than what the specific exercise is. So, for example, I was at the class and I had a, um, I had a, a cuff on my uh, on my upper arm and I was doing four pound bicep curls and it felt like I was doing twenty five pound bicep curls. So the advantage of it is you can still get um, the effects on your body of doing a high intensity workout without having to, you know, for like a pound on your body, like you would, um, to get it otherwise to get it normally, if you will. So a lot of professional, professional sports teams utilize this in season. So if you have a player that's playing in season and they're beating their body up just through the normal course of play, but you still want them to maintain their strength, they could put these cuffs on and do the, do a, a lighter volume of exercise, but still get the same benefits. Um, for example, like you know, when you do this, it it'll help to stimulate human growth hormone, all these other neurotransmitters and hormones and chemicals that tell our body that it needs to build muscle. Um, so you get that benefit without again having to have having to had you know do this high intensity workout. So. Does it, I've never done it before, but you have at the class. So does it feel like, so if, if I go and I, I throw on a lot of weight for a back squat, sure. like I feel sore the next day. Right, yes. Are, are you going to feel as sore as you would if you did a high volume, high load workouts? Or is it that you don't feel that as much, but you still get the same benefits? So you can, so those are DOMS, delayed onset muscle soreness. That's the soreness you, you, you'll feel after you've worked out. Um, so you, you certainly can get the DOMS or DOMS after doing uh, BFR. Um, again, because you're, you're breaking the muscle down. The whole premise of strength training is that you break down the muscle. So you have to have a workload high enough to do that. And then your body releases all these chemicals that build the muscle back. And that's where, that's again, that's the whole premise of strength training. And that's why you have to keep advancing how much weight you're doing, changing your workups, changing your workouts up so that you're always kind of challenging the muscle um, to, to get stronger. So the, the BFR is just, um, it just does that. Again, it kind of tricks your body into releasing all these chemicals that build build your muscles up but you don't have to have uh, have the same workload so it would be perfect for people like post-op patients you know um, they're actually even doing it like um, uh, pre-op with people so um, if you have a lower extremity surgery total knee replacement ACL reconstruction meniscus repair um, they'll put a tourniquet you know and pump it up right before they start the surgeries to help uh, so there isn't the blood loss during surgery. So 
they, you know, the thought is that that may be why post-surgical people have a lot of swelling. So they've started doing, they've started doing this BFR with people pre-surgery to kind of uh, get their body to get used to that so that you don't have that same effect because the increased swelling there after surgery is a big issue that we deal with in PT, um, trying to get that swelling out because that impacts their range of motion, that impacts their ability of their quad to fire. So if you have less of that, their rehab initially especially is going to go much more smoothly and better for them. Yeah, I was watching a video trying to prepare a little bit, um, and they were saying that although it does have benefits in uh, strength training and things like that, they are the, one of the biggest benefits is they're able to use these in hospitals, possibly for even patients that are bedridden, correct? Correct. So people are who uh, people that are in a coma, they're using it for to to maintain um, their strength while they're while they're um, in a coma. Um, the, you can pump the um, cuff all the way up, and you'll get like they call it a um, cellular swell, cellular swelling. That just the it'll just force fluid into the cells, um, which will help uh, maintain their their strength. You can also use it, um, you know, cardiovascularly uh, for tr that kind of training as well, uh, because when you have the cuffs on. Um, you're decreasing the volume of blood going back to your heart, so your heart has to work harder to pump the blood that's there. So again, I had um, I had a patient on um, this week, and we were just she was just doing you know sitting on the edge of the table, straightening her leg out, and she was perspiring, and she was shocked at how hard that she was starting to like breathe or work. Um, and we were doing the most you know basic exercise basically that you could do for strengthening her quad. Okay. I could see where it's definitely beneficial, at least in a rehab setting, because you got people who can't lift right uh, large amounts of weight. Yeah. And then you can say, well, here's no weight, do a bicep curl, right? Right, totally. And and so um, yeah, and even here like I'm, I mean, I know Aaron's bought the cuffs to work out on her on her own at her house. Um, for me, like my wrists bother me uh, just from doing. If I have to do bicep curls, it's often gotten too much for my wrists. So for me now, I plan on on doing this to just work on my own strengthening, uh, and I won't have to lift as much. It'll be easier on my wrists, but I'll still get the same effect uh, as if I um, was out there doing whatever I used to do for for curls. Sure. Um, and I assume like the, the research is pretty, is coming out and it's pretty oh, convincing. Oh yeah. The, so it's not coming. It's been out, right? Yeah. So it's been out for a while. Um, the instructor when he, that taught us, uh, down in Chicago, you know, it said that when he first heard of this, he went and did a med line search and he, you know, he, he typed in blood flow restriction training and there were 420 articles on it. Um, so there's a lot of really great research out on it that it's it actually works. It's beneficial. Um, I don't. It's not voodoo. Um, so it's it's uh, we're excited about it, incorporating it into people's uh, treatment. And then, uh, so if if I'm a patient on the street and I hear about about this, um, or if I'm not, if I don't need rehab per se, mm -hmm. how do I pursue? learning about this and how if I want to implement that into my exercise routine or I want to use it during rehab, well, where, where are the best places to go to make sure that you can do that safely? 
Well, you could come to Freedom. <laughs> um, so I don't, I mean, so one of the nice, uh, I think, I don't know how many places around Milwaukee are, are doing it or utilizing it. Um, it's funny how these things just kind of come about. So um, the medical college always does a sports medicine symposium. Uh, and this last March, uh, blood flow restriction training was on their agenda. Um, I got a thing from the sports medicine up in Aurora, up by Green Bay, blood flow restriction training was on their agenda. So I think it's becoming more common and more people are learning about it and hearing about it. Um, but I don't know, for safety's sake, I would think you would want to do it under a medical practitioner because at least to find out what your occlusion pressure is uh, so you're not just guessing at it. Um, but yeah. I guess, I guess to clarify, like, so if you're outside of the greater Milwaukee area oh. uh, and you can't, you can't come to Freedom Physical Therapy, oh, so which if you can, then great. Yeah. But, but oh. um, like, so, is, there a, is there any resources that people can go on to online or should they just um, contact a few physical therapy places? Should they look at their gyms for personal trainers that might be certified? Yeah, so good, good question. I'm sorry. So, um, so you can go to smarttools.com. And they, I think we're on there now, but they, if you can do a search, uh, like put in your zip code and then they will have people that have gone and been trained through them, um, where they are. So for example, so if somebody did that, who moved to Milwaukee or wants to know where Milwaukee, they could go there, type in their zip code and freedom would pop up as a place where people know how to do, uh, do the blood flow restriction training or have the gear there to do it. Awesome. Um, and I guess, are there any circumstances in which they've found that you really shouldn't do blood flow restriction training or is it yeah, unsafe no. for all populations or? No. So there are like contraindications or, you know, things to be concerned about. So if somebody has a history of like DVTs, deep vein thrombosis is probably wouldn't be appropriate to do, to do this with, um, somebody with high blood pressure, uh, not appropriate to do this with somebody with arrhythmia or heart potential problems just because you are impacting the volume of blood returning. So those people, you would probably want to stay away from it as well. And, you know, um, then just some of the, you know, I've, I saw in there like can't somebody with who has cancer potentially. I mean, those are more maybe just not necessarily contraindications, but just trying to figure out um, if that's appropriate for that patient. Uh, somebody with maybe lymphedema, same thing, just because um, them just to de decide whether it's appropriate uh, with for them or not. Okay. Um, how much do a set of cuffs cost on, in, in general? Um, like, they could go, go to good quality ones. Yeah. So they so. Um, you could go to Smart Tools, and they, they sell them on there. So they have different sets depending upon how many you buy. Um, again, um, what they feel separates their cuffs from other cuffs, and I'm not trying to advertise for them or anything like that, but just how wider, the wider the cuff, the more comfortable it's going to be um, as opposed to, time, you know, so, something smaller um, would be more, you know, be more of a, uh, a true tourniquet kind of and probably not as quite as comfortable. So if they're looking at cuffs or want to look into this, you know, I would go to Smart Tools and see what they have. They have differing packages, if you will, depending upon how many cuffs you're buying. Yeah, I, we did have a conversation the other day about, I asked you about Voodoo Floss. Rogue makes a product called Voodoo Floss, and they sell it as like a mobility tool um, in terms of like you can wrap it around a joint and do some movements with that and... 
it, it like you can tell anecdotally, I guess that it does kind of maybe help for a little bit, sure. but maybe not long term. Yes. Um, so the our instructor at the class, um, you know, he talked about that as well. And um, the issue with some of those things is they don't. Um, the big thing that you want to be able to do is cut the or impact the atrial blood flow. Uh, so though your arteries tend to be deeper than your veins um, for protective reasons. Um, so the thought with like the voodoo floss is that it more stops the venous return uh, than it cuts the atrial flow. And so that's why they're maybe not as effective. Um, so just, I mean, if you give right when you have to give blood, they tie a, you know, a band or something around your, your arm and your veins pop out. So that's where you're getting that. So the, the, you want to stop the new blood from kind of coming down. And that's what makes that hypoxic or lacking oxygen uh, kind of environment. And that's where you think you get the real benefit from it. So that's why, at least at the class, you know, um, where they think these cuffs would be better than the Voodoo Floss cuffs. Is, is the benefit of it purely because there's a non-oxygen rich environment uh, that the muscle is trying to operate in? Correct. I mean, that's the thought. You're trying to... So, so the instructor at our, at our class talked a lot about, he thinks the fit, as they continue to research it, that going to fatigue is the key, that you're fatiguing the muscle. And again, once you fatigue the muscle, it produces all these chemicals, hormones that say, hey, we need to build this back up and make it stronger. And so that's the real benefit of it. So stopping the oxygenated blood from going down in there will make a more hypoxic environment. Um, so if you think about lifting weights, when you're trying to build strength and you're on that last set, trying to get those last, you're running out of gas and it's heavy. And that's when you're, that's when you're releasing all these chemicals then that will help stimulate strength and growth. So, so like any part of training is right. You're trying to cause an adaption. Yeah, right. And correct. I guess there are like, there's different, they always talk about different kind of gains, whether they're like athletic speed type gains. What, like, what's like, if, is this just for building pure strength and hypertrophy in a muscle or can it, do, do you know anything about like improving like power? Cause like some athletes are doing like really low repetition, high intensity workout, but then they're immediately given a recovery period. Like maybe you're doing a 40 yard dash or long broad jumps or box jumps, but you're you're doing them purely for as sure much power as possible. So this um, my so this works more. I mean, all those whether strength or power. I mean, we can you know um, this is building more working on the type two muscle fibers, uh, okay. the more anaerobic muscle fibers than type one, which are more endurance uh, mu muscle fibers. So. Um, we didn't break it down, I don't think, as to whether this is more strength or this is more power. Um, it's just you're just trying to get hypertrophy of the muscle so that it produces more power. Sure. And however you want to utilize that um, is fine. So again, so most professional teams, like he was talking about, he's uh, the instructor at the class, um, you know, is affiliated a little bit with the professional soccer team down in, um, in Dallas. Um, so they're using it. You know, so those that's more of a running, but those guys still need to have strength and power and want to stay strong during season, so they're utilizing it. Uh, I'm sure, you know, football, more explosive power sports, um, they're all utilizing it. So um, it's more just about keeping the hypertrophy there, the strength there. Okay. Um, so I guess the last thing I want to touch on is that, like, if 
like for example me or just an average guy who's working at the gym says I want to I want to implement this into my training what's the best way to say I get the cuffs and I learn how to do it properly and safely how do you know or have any recommendations on how to program it into like a week of working out um so they had I guess protocols if you if you will um if if you're able he the the instructor said, you know, still high intensity training is, is best. But if you can't do that, then this would be this, you know, um, would be a good alternative. Um, okay. so you could get the, again, so for me, I'm going to use it hopefully just to help take a load off my wrists, which tend to bother me now when I do upper extremity strengthening, I would still like to do upper extremity strengthening, but so this will help me achieve that, but not probably bother my wrist as much okay so i don't know it, there was a guy at the class who had no medical background who was there who just like working out um so he just make sure you're using it safely like you don't you wouldn't put the cuffs off on excuse me you wouldn't put the cuffs on and then go do a bunch you know 30 burpees sure so that would be probably and i don't know if you'd be able to right the concern would be going into rabidosis or something like that yeah. so um you have to know what, at least what, what you're doing um, to get it when you're utilizing them um, so you don't, you know, do some awful damage to yourself. Sure. Um, yeah, the guy at the class wanted to put them on all of his extremities. It's <laughs> like Aaron and I hope he's well, still that he's still alive. Anyways, um, yeah. All right. Um, well, I think that about wraps it up. If you have any questions, um, feel free to, to contact Freedom Physical Therapy Services um, at freedompt.com, and we can get any blood flow restriction training questions answered by someone who is trained and knows how to use them properly. So thanks for coming on, Scott. It was uh, awesome talking to you. Yeah, my, my pleasure. Thank you. All right, have a wonderful day. All right, go Bucks.